Welcome into Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Portland Trailblazers' final score, 122-113. Interesting storylines in this game, maybe a little bit different than I think you might expect, but tonight the Nuggets got it done. Didn't matter that Damian Lillard went off for 44 points in this one, including 30 at halftime. He was upset by the end of this game, not going to lie. And it was actually pretty funny in the arena, not going to lie. That's one of those things where nothing was really going his way. He wasn't really making the right plays towards the end. He was trying to make some hustle plays, but everything just kind of kept going against him. So it is what it is. The Nuggets will take it. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, welcome. If you're listening on YouTube, watching on YouTube, welcome back. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. First show, massive success. Really appreciate everybody for hopping on that bandwagon. Grew the MHS YouTube account by a lot. This podcast will go up likely about the same time as the last one did, about 11 o'clock after the game. Going to try to do a little bit earlier than that, but eh, things happen. It, it is what it is, but should be really good. Had a good time with the first one. Got some good feedback from that one. Now, we've got a little bit more of an updated uh, thing that we're going with here. Got the Superbook logo in the top, pickaxe and roll logo in the top, other, other side of that little graphic, but should be good here. Got the banner on the bottom of this podcast and everybody should know by it saying the Nuggets win 122-113 over the Portland Trailblazers. You also see their first career win for David Adelman, excuse me, as the head coach of the Nuggets. It was interesting earlier today, the Nuggets got the, uh, they notified everybody uh, that Michael Malone had gone into health and safety protocols. And it was interesting to see that Michael Malone uh, previously, they had had multiple assistant coaches go in, including David Adelman. And so Popeye Jones last year was the guy who really took over for the bench. This time around, David Adelman gets his chance, gets his first win as the Nuggets lead guy. And the uh, locker room after the postgame uh, was going crazy. It was just absolutely bonkers in there. You could hear it from the media room next door. Those guys were going uh, they were cheering. There was an ice bath going in uh, with DeAndre Jordan just absolutely showering David Adelman with some cold-ass water. And he did – he took it all in stride. Seems like a very good guy. Seems like this Nuggets group is just still very connected right now. And why wouldn't they be, right? 14 straight wins at home, I believe it is. They're now 20-3 and three at home on the season. And we will get into why here real quick. Uh, We'll talk about the starters, we'll talk about the bench in the second segment, and then we will do some playoff matchups in that third segment. I think that's an interesting time. Interesting time right now in general, just to look at the playoff field. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. Uh, David Adelman was very graceful in his postgame presser. He was excited about the, the victory, but more than anything, he just wanted to give credit to everybody else. None other than Nikola Jokic was the guy who he probably gave the most credit to on this one. Nikola Jokic has another historic night, just seems to be doing this on the regular now. Nikola Jokic goes 36 points on 13 of 14 from the field. That's over 90% 
from the field, just missed one shot for the entire evening. Also had 10 assists and 12 rebounds for his triple-double, added a steal and a block. There were some good defensive plays mixed in there with some bad defensive plays. You're, you're going to get that against Damian Lillard and the Blazers. But Jokic was fantastic. He was the best player on the floor tonight against a guy that had 44 points. It was pretty clear that Jokic was dictating just about everything the Nuggets were doing. And sometimes Denver kind of got away from that habit, and sometimes there were other things that they did that probably could have gone better. But for the most part, the process was so good tonight, even with uh, some inefficiencies from Jamal Murray, not necessarily hitting as many. Uh, J- Jamal had three of seven threes, but in general, the team didn't hit a whole bunch of threes, especially with that bench unit. What really stood out, though, was Denver's domination in the paint. Jokic was the biggest part of that, just a massive massive game from him. And it looks so easy. It just it was just the easiest thing that he's done in a while, or at least making it look that way. And he does it in such different ways. But the one that really stood out to me tonight was the floater in how he would always get into the middle of the paint and he was very comfortable. So I asked him about a post game and he he laughed about it and said he actually had a fight with Ogi Stoyakovich, who's one of the Nuggets assistant coaches. Back then, he was a player development guy, I think brought on for Jokic specifically. And they have really grown together over the course of this these many long years. And in his first and second year, uh, Jokic was trying to figure out the best way to attack the rim as a ground-bound center. And when he has somebody that's in front of him, he could either do the floater or he could kind of pull up for a mid-range jumper. Those were kind of the two things that he and Ogi Stojakovic were kind of going back and forth about. They decide, and Jokic, I think, was the main catalyst for this, that he wanted to work on the floater. And he wanted that to be the shot that he was the most comfortable with when he was in the middle of the floor. And over the course of several years, he's just developed that extremely well, to the point where he has the best floater in the league, and it really isn't close. I actually told him that he had the best floater in the league, and he said, thank you, when I was really just trying to relay a statistical number. But he is incredible with his touch around the rim, whether it's four feet out or seven feet out or 10 feet out or it's a pull-up jumper, whatever the case may be, he is just killing it right now. And he is so far in his bag that he's getting legit MVP buzz despite the fact that he's already won two. How crazy is that? LeBron James was the last guy to really generate, like he, he, he won those two MVPs in a row. Giannis won two, but Jokic, I think, thoroughly outpaced him in that 2020-21 season. The previous time with LeBron, like there was no question that actually there was a question. He kind of slowed down a little bit, despite the fact he probably was the best player and was on the best, or not even the best team, actually. He was on the second best team that year, and that's the reason why Derrick Rose won it. But this year, Jokic is on the best, he's the best player on the best team, putting up the best numbers. There's clearly a reason to give it to him. And I, I think there's been a little bit less fight in general over the course of these last uh, few weeks, just because he keeps putting up performances like this, where it is infallible. You cannot argue with it. The Nuggets have won and won and won, 31 and 13, 
and Jokic is the biggest reason why. They've won other game. They've won games without him. They won the LA Clippers game without him. But the most important thing is that he's always been at the center of this, doing crazy performances like this. His 50% field goal percentage streak is still alive. That's at 34 straight games. And now he has the most 30, 10, and 10 games for a center in NBA history. Actually, it's I'm, I'm sorry. It's 30, 10, and 10 for 90% shooting. That was the number. It was because Wilt did it once. Now Jokic has done it twice in his career. How insane is that? There is nobody like this dude. Next guy that I want to talk about, though, is Michael Porter Jr. He really stood out in this game for the right reasons, not the wrong ones. He was very efficient tonight. And the Nuggets, they've continued to push him down this path where he is just picking and choosing his spots extremely well around what Jokic is doing. And usually it's Jamal Murray who's the guy that uh, gets the shine. Or maybe it's Aaron Gordon. But Michael Porter, I thought, tonight was clearly the second best scorer. 9 of 13 from the field, 23 points, 4 of 6 from 3, and was a plus 21. He led the entire team in plus minus. And to be able to do that in his spot, where usually this is a matchup where he's being attacked by Damian Lillard. Usually this is a situation where they are hunting him and they're trying to play him off the floor. They didn't really do that this time around. They didn't really go at him. And whether he would have been successful or not in that stretch, I don't know. But it did seem to me like he played pretty good defense overall. He rotated as the low man a couple of times on the sec- on kind of the below the free throw line where you need somebody to be in front of the rim. Nurkic had a really bad night tonight, two of nine from the field. I think a lot of that was the rotations. A lot of that was when you're playing two at the level, you have to have a guy who rotates behind. And Porter was such a good guy at that this time around. Nurkic will be better going forward in other in other matchups and in other games, but tonight Porter was there on time and really was disruptive. He had a steal and a block, I think. I think that's what I. Oh no, he didn't have a steal or a block. Everybody else in the starting lineup had a steal or a block, but it felt like Porter was very disruptive himself. So he deserves a lot of credit for that, but also just the ability to get free from the three-point line. He's been moving off ball extremely well. And then he had some opportunities going one-on-one where he kind of picked and choose those opportunities a little bit where he's got a size mismatch. You want to be able to give him the ball in those situations to just rise up and hit a shot. Because in the half court, I know Denver's got a great half court offense and they can always work for something even better than an ISO. But for Porter, it's a great rhythm shot for him specifically. Because if you're going up against a guy like Damian Lillard, like he was on the switch a couple times, Anthony Simons on one of them, then you have these opportunities in your bag where you can just rise and fire over a guy knowing that they can't bother you. And if they get under your shooting space, then you are dead. So he has been fantastic. He's a guy that I think Nuggets fans should be very, very happy about. And I know that the contract is a weird thing for people, but He has lived up to those expectations this year. Whether people like to hear that or not, whether they would appreciate a guy who, like two guys that do around what he does for less money, I don't know. But like, I think that what he has done in kind of scaling back what he wants to do for the betterment of the team has gone really under the radar 
over the course of these last few weeks as he has played great on both ends of the floor. Let's go to Jamal Murray now, who started off this game really well. I think he had nine points, 11 points, something like that in the first quarter. And he also had four assists. So a lot of his production came early, missed some shots later, not necessarily worried about that. He was doing pretty well. Uh, I thought he set the table really well for the team. I thought he set the table really well for Jokic. Wasn't really hogging the ball. I know he took 15 shots and people are going to be like, oh my gosh, why has he never passed the ball? Well, he's really talented. So you don't necessarily want him passing the ball all the time. Like he also can handle the ball and he's really good at that. So you want to be able to have some balance there and don't want to just go through Jokic the entire time. He got his numbers. You don't need to worry about that. But with Murray, he was very good too for much of this game. I thought that he slowed down as a shooter uh, as the game went along. And I thought that there were like opportunities where he got stuck on screens a couple of times guarding Dame, gave up a couple open shots, and then they ultimately moved KCP onto Damian Lillard. And that was a more successful matchup for obvious reasons. But I do like that Denver has put Jamal Murray on Damian Lillard at the beginning of games. Lillard wasn't getting free as often as people think. Like he was, he got 30 points and he got switched out onto guys. It wasn't just Jamal. I do not want to point it all at him because you really have to guard a guy like that with five players, not just one. But I do think that Jamal got roasted a little bit at times. And so they switched the matchup. He went on to Anthony Simons a couple of times. He went on to, I don't know, Nas Little, uh, Gary Payton, the second guys like that. And in a playoff series where you're playing Bruce Brown more, where you're playing KCP a whole bunch and you're just matching minutes, then you're probably going to have Jamal guarding some of the smaller guys, whether it's a Josh Hart or somebody else. But it was pretty clear that he had some good moments and he had some bad moments. And I thought the good mostly outweighed the bad tonight. Uh, Not necessarily his most efficient shooting game, but it is what it is. He'll be back at it. And We'll see if he plays tomorrow. The Nuggets play on Wednesday. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday, so pretty late for me. But I do think that he's still in a good position where he can play, and he probably should play. I know that Denver's on this massive streak, but I do think that there is something psychological to trying to beat the Wolves, given that Denver lost to the Wolves. That's actually their last loss, if I'm not mistaken. The last time they lost was to the Wolves on the second night of a back-to-back. So let's see what they can do going back at it once again. And I know they're on the second night of a back-to-back next game, but Jamal should probably play it. Um, KCP. I didn't put any major offensive numbers here because I didn't feel like this warranted it. He wasn't great offensively tonight, missed his threes, but defensively was where he really shined. Three steals, one block, defensive player of the game. The most important numbers for everybody. When he was switched on to Lillard at the second half, he spent some time on him before and kind of switched on to him on occasion. But for the most part, KCP was just everywhere. He was doing a whole bunch, running through screens, bouncing off of them and drawing illegal screening fouls. He was deflecting passes. He was blocking shots. He was disrupting passing lanes and just getting into people's airspace, forcing them to pick up a dribble. It was great. And Lillard is so good that he can get around most of that. 
and still be very efficient. But I thought that he slowed down in the second half, having to carry such a heavy load and having Denver getting a quicker player onto him in KCP than Jamal. KCP is just very athletic, very versatile, and he's provided a nice mentality for Denver this year that they've been able to really replicate over and over and over again, but he's been setting the tone. So glad to see it with him. Got the defensive player of the game chain for the Nuggets, and that's a really exciting thing. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit. He, I was talking about this with Jenna Garcia, doesn't get enough credit in general for the role that he is playing because everybody on the team is so good. Jokic is so good. He's always going to soak up the majority of the credit. And then Jamal and MPJ come back, and that's really the main storylines. Aaron Gordon has gotten the all-star consideration because of what he's been doing, but KCP kind of goes unmentioned sometimes in the starting five conversation, but he's second in the NBA in plus minus. He has been spectacular this year, and he has been a perfect fit for what the Nuggets have been asked to do. And finally, Aaron Gordon. Really good stuff from AG tonight. Not necessarily his most high-volume, efficient game, but 5 of 5 from the free throw line. That's really encouraging. Seven rebounds, including two offensive. Eight assists, one steal, one block. Was a plus 20. He has been legit in terms of replicating kind of what Jokic does as a passer. Some of the passes that Aaron Gordon is now making are ludicrous. He had a behind-the-back pass to KCP in transition right in front of the Portland bench. He's been doing stuff like that all year where he just is very confident in what he's doing. And having somebody like that along with Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray kind of does this too, where he'll, he'll throw in the flashy pass here or there. Those guys, all three of them combined for 25 assists tonight. That's a crazy number. That is a great number. And when they're all sharing the court as much as they are, it's a big deal because you have these this playmaking on a consistent basis where nobody's ever feeling like they have to isolate. Nobody's ever feeling like they have to create something out of nothing. It is always assisted. And because of that, Denver has been able to win so many games. They've been able to lead the league in offensive rating or be very close to it for much of the season. That is the biggest reason why. And Aaron Gordon has really embodied that, where he has kind of absorbed every single good thing that has been about, like, Jokic's passing, uh, Michael Porter's uh, size at the rim, Jamal Murray's swagger, KCP's defensive intensity and the intangibles. Those guys have just really, like, Aaron Gordon, I think, is all tied it all together. And he gets so much credit for that, anecdotally. Uh, I, I would like to give him more credit. Going forward, just because he's probably been the second best guy on the team. So gets a lot of credit for it, just filling the perfect role. And it's really exciting to see with this Nuggets group. They have the best starting five in the NBA. I don't think it's really close. The Warriors guys are very good. I think Denver's guys are better. I just flat out do. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench lineup and everything that went into that this time. But first, Everybody, this podcast, as you know, it is brought to you by our friends over at Superbook Sports. Add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with Superbook. Superbook is over three decades of sports wagering experience Win in Las Vegas. So you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into these football playoffs. Wildcard weekend just finished up. 
Going to get into the divisional round. Should be a lot of fun. Plus, uh, make sure to check out their special odds, boosts, and promotions at Superbook.com, where you get everything that you want. Make 2023 the year when you win money from Vegas. Uh, Just download the Superbook Sports app and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now discuss the bench lineup for these Nuggets as they got Blacko Chanchar back. I thought that that was a sneaky big addition for this Nuggets team after a not great outing with Zeke Naji and uh, DeAndre Jordan as the primary front court. Those guys weren't great together. I didn't feel like they did their job in the last game. And now you go back to the lineup that had been working with Bones, uh, healthy enough to go tonight, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Flacco Chanchar, Zeke Naji. Uh, Flacco had a leg contusion that he had had crop up at the beginning of, uh, not beginning of last game, but kind of right before uh, pregame started. And so it was very odd to, to see that crop up, but he showed up and played well tonight. Actually... You know, I don't want to go that far. I thought that there were some good things that he did connectivity-wise, where the Nuggets definitely need somebody who can just continue to facilitate, get the Nuggets to the next action and the next play, the next play on the offensive end. Because sometimes if you just go your turn, my turn, with Bones Highland and Jamal Murray, then you can lose a lot of what makes the team very good, where you have a guy like Vlatko who can just whip passes underneath like he did tonight. I liked what I saw from from Vlaco tonight on the offensive end. Defensively, not sure I liked it. Not sure he had a good game. I thought that he got blown by a couple times. One by Jeremy Grant, one by Shaden Sharp. Athletic guys who Flacco just is probably going to struggle with in general. But he's got to find a way to sit down and guard in some of those situations. He had the lowest plus minus on the team, and I think that that was part of the reason why. But what I will say is that the most important thing for that bench is just to not give up a margin, not give up a a complete massive lead. When Bones Highland was on the court, they were a minus seven. Bones went two of 10 tonight. He was one of seven from uh, from three. And I don't think he played that well on the offensive side. Defensively, I actually thought that he made some good plays after what was a really bad start. He got into it. He was hustling more, playing just better in general. Uh, But most of the time, a lot of that credit, I think, can be ascribed to Zeke Naji and Bruce Brown and Jamal Murray and guys like that. Uh, KCP actually staggered with the bench in the first half. Jamal Murray staggered with the bench in the second half. I forgot about that little tidbit as I Realize, okay, Jamal was there the second half. KCP was there the first. They had interesting things, but Bones was really getting hot. Or not not getting hot. He was getting up a lot of shots in that first quarter, second quarter area. Finally got one to drop, and there was a big sigh of relief for everybody. They had still managed to maintain the lead. It wasn't that bad. 
for much of it. But I will say it wasn't great. Uh, the only reason why Denver really maintained that lead was because the Blazers couldn't really match the scoring. They scored 36 points in the second quarter, but most of that was when Damian Lillard was back on the floor. I thought that their bench specifically, uh, Shaden Sharp had a couple of good moments, don't get me wrong, but Anthony Simons is the guy that staggers with the bench for them. He's their Jamal Murray as a Jokic is kind of the Damian Lillard of, of Denver. Anthony Simons was bad. 5 of 15 from the field for Anthony Simons, 2 of 10. And he spent a lot of that time going right at Bones Highland. A lot of it. And that's one of those things where you don't know how that's going to go because usually that that just says, okay, the rep is the most important thing that teams are going to go after. And Bones has a rep for bad defense. So Anthony Simons went at him. And Anthony Simons lost a lot of the time, just was not very good in general. And that's a good thing. That's a good encouraging thing for Bones. That's a good encouraging thing for the Nuggets defense that they were able to hold up in that situation on the the kind of the second quarter, fourth quarter runs. And that's where you're going to get a lower margin in general. Bones being only a minus seven is important because Denver's mostly hemorrhaging points during that time. They figured out some things lately. But if you have a bad game and it's only a minus seven, that's fine. Most of the time, Bones' plus minus is kind of tied to, hey, did I shoot well? Tonight it wasn't. Tonight he actually had some good plays. Uh, passing the ball, uh, got a block there. He actually had a really nice strip of Anthony Simons, if I'm not mistaken, and just had some plays where you're really encouraged about his level of activity, his level of engagement on that end. So he was playing hard. That's the most important thing. And the Nuggets were following suit. I thought that Zeke Nagy played pretty hard. I thought that Bruce Brown played pretty hard. He was probably the the bench player of the game, if I had to say. Jamal Murray had some good moments with that group. Uh, KCP had, I'm not sure he had great moments with that group. I think that he was more just kind of the connector and really helped facilitate some of the stuff. But Bruce Brown was really good. He was a guy that Denver can really count upon in a lot of their situations. And he did ball handling. He did creation off the dribble. He did uh, spot up shooting. He was a defender. He did a lot of good things for that team, for that group. He was a plus five tonight in his 29 minutes. That's a really important piece of this, where when Bruce Brown has a positive plus minus, I'm pretty sure the Nuggets are now are still undefeated. Like that's one of those statistical indicators they're always looking for for me. Like, okay, so what happened to this game? What makes sense? Why did this thing happen? I really do think that part of that, Bruce Brown, not necessarily like a stopper in general, but he's just somebody that they're not going to attack consistently, whether it's with Anthony Simons, whether it's with Damian Lillard, they're going to try to go at somebody else. And so Bruce Brown has just, he has that level of impact for that reason. So only one assist, but he had a steal and a block. Just everybody on Denver seemed to be getting in on that action. That was pretty cool. Uh, But in general, five of nine from the field, one of two from three, big three that he hit did the thing once again where Michael Porter is kind of the next pass away, but he takes it because he's so confident in it and he's wide open, so why not? But it was really funny that that's kind of what that came down to. He just continues to find ways to be a positive impact for this Nuggets team. 
and more than happy with him, more than happy with what he's done. He is such a big piece of what the Nuggets are, what they embody. So really impressive stuff from Bruce Brown. Zeke Naji. I thought that Zeke had a very interesting game in general. The stat line, I'm not going to pull it up for you, but I'm going to put up a stat at the bottom. Zeke had six offensive rebounds tonight. Six in 14 minutes. He was hustling. He was doing everything he could to keep the, the ball alive on the glass. And he's undersized in a lot of these situations. I think Drew Eubanks is a little bit bigger than him. He's a more coordinated, kind of sturdy guy. Zeke is more of a uh, energizer kind of player right now. But he's still he's finding ways to be impactful as a rebounder even still. But it's really funny. Zeke, six offensive rebounds, zero defensive rebounds. So that's why I put up the stat. Man, 27th in offensive rebounding rate among centers out of 75. So you're like top third or pretty close to it. That's pretty good. That's exactly what you're looking for with a hustler, somebody like Zeke. The problem, I think part of this is schematic. Part of this is by design. Part of it is that it's just a, a Zeke Naji weakness. So he's last in the NBA in defensive rebounding rate among qualified centers. That's a big, big deal going forward when you're thinking, okay, can Denver hold up in certain situations with Zeke at the five? If teams know that, if they know that that's a weakness for Denver and they're going to attack it, can he hold up in those situations? Tonight didn't really have that much of an issue because Drew Eubanks is Drew Eubanks. The Blazers had five offensive rebounds. The Nuggets had 31 defensive rebounds. Three of those offensive rebounds were like they came from Drew Eubanks, Shaden Sharp, and Gary Payton II. So it's a little bit of it is with the bench out there. So it's definitely something to watch out for. But with Zeke, what he does really well is he gets on uh, and, and boxes out the opposing team's big man really well. A lot of those cases, Denver has a really strong defensive rebounding rate, even though Zeke is a horrible defensive rebounder himself. So I think he needs to find more opportunities where he can be impactful as a defensive rebounder. But like, Bruce Brown had three, Bones Highland had two, Flacco Chanchar had one. Jamal Murray has actually been really great as a defensive rebounder in general. He's been very involved on that end of the floor, had five tonight. If the Blazers are going to be like that, uh, they got to the line 25 times tonight, made 24 out of 25 free throws. So there weren't exactly a ton of missed opportunities for Denver. So I'm glad that they were able to really capitalize on that. That didn't burn them. But this is a weakness for Denver. 75 out of 75 in terms of actual defensive rebounding rate is really, really bad. So good on Denver that it didn't burn them tonight, but something to watch out for. And I think that's it in terms of actual bench guys. Not a lot going on with the bench tonight. Bones didn't make his shots. He will make them going forward. I wonder if that ankle's bothering him at least a little bit and that he just played through it. Hopefully, he's fine going for tomorrow, where he had a really good game the last time he played the T-Wolves, so maybe that can continue. We're just going to have to see, but I do think the bench will have to step up in the second uh, second night of a back-to-back. They're going to have to play with energy at home because the starters may not bring it immediately, so we're going to watch out for that, but for now, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the standings. 
for the NBA right now and just everything that's kind of going into that on the Western Conference side. We'll be right back. We're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about where the Nuggets stand in the Western Conference right now, where they're at. They've won seven games in a row. They've their first place in the Western Conference at this point. They are nine and one in their last ten. The only team that's better right, right now, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are ten and zero in their last ten. They've won ten games in a row. Just can't stop losing. It has been pretty crazy to watch. Uh, what Memphis has done. They've done it mostly against bad competition. Like Denver tonight, Portland is a competent team. I know that they're currently tied for 10th right now, but they're one of those teams that they still have a positive point differential. So it's not like they're bad. They're just playing bad right now. And I think Denver kind of caught them at a good time here. Uh, But in general, the Nuggets are doing a really, really nice job at the top of the Western Conference of keeping every single team at arm's length except for Memphis. Memphis, they just can't really do anything about right now. But they've built up a – so they're, they're 0.5 games ahead of Memphis. They are five full games ahead of New Orleans, uh, six ahead of Sacramento, who – shout out to the Sacramento Kings. Fourth seed for them. Congrats to them. That's awesome. Dallas, they are seven and a half ahead. L.A., nine games ahead of the L.A. Clippers, nine games ahead of the Golden State Warriors, nine and a half ahead of the Utah Jazz and Minnesota Timberwolves, and then 10 games ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Portland Trailblazers, who are both sub-500. So, lot to like for where the Nuggets currently stand. They have separated themselves along with Memphis to now be at above 70% win rate. That's a great, great pace for what the Nuggets are going to continue to do. So let's take a look now at some of the playoff matchups. I'm going to have these cycle through on the bottom of the screen, but this is what the current Western Conference playoff picture would be if it was just one through eight, where you don't have the play-in tournament. Let's just assume that the seven beats the eight and the eight beats the nine in the playoff tournament upcoming. So your Western Conference playoff field for the 2023 playoffs, the Nuggets would be facing off against the Jazz the Grizzlies, a rematch against the Warriors, except the Grizzlies of home court. Actually, they had home court last time, so didn't really affect them then. We'll see about now. Pelicans versus Clippers in that 3-6, and Kings versus Mavericks in that 4-5. Man, the Mavericks would kill the Kings, I think. I honestly, I mean, maybe the Kings are just be unstoppable offensively, but I just can't imagine they have anybody to really match up with Luka. That just seems like a really tough matchup for them in general, but... Uh, We're just going to have to see how that plays out. But if it plays out this way in particular, I think the Nuggets should actually be pretty pleased. Nuggets versus Jazz. The Nuggets are a, like, I mean, clearly they're a better team than the Jazz. But what I do think is that the Jazz over the course of these last few weeks have really moved over to playing Walker Kessler a lot of minutes. Walker Kessler is very good. He's going to struggle with Nikola Jokic. That's just going to be a thing. Uh, They don't really have anybody to match up physically with both Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter unless they go with Jared Vanderbilt at the four and Larry Markin at the three. Doesn't seem right to me, but either way, those are some good bigs for the Jazz. But 
nothing really that Denver can't handle. Larry Markkinen is very, very good. The Nuggets will struggle to stop them defensively, but I don't think that the Jazz can stop Denver offensively. Walker Kessler is a very good rim protector, but he's like kind of in that Rudy Gobert mold where Joker's had no problem with a guy like Rudy Gobert, where you just you don't need to worry about a guy like that. So going to be interesting to see if that were to happen, how that would fare. But Denver would be going up against the winner of the Kings versus the Mavericks in the second round if they won the first. And assuming that that's the Mavericks, you're facing Luka, but there seems to be a hard ceiling that that Mavericks team can get to. I know that they can break down what the Nuggets do, and I know that they have confidence if they go up against Denver. But I honestly feel that the last time that the Nuggets faced the Mavericks, which was, I think, early December, I think Denver's just a different team now than they were then. Maybe they are. Maybe they kind of revert back to some of those tendencies that they had against the Mavericks back then. But I honestly think that Denver is just a better group. They're very confident. They know what they're doing. Michael Porter's back healthy. There's just a lot to like about what the Nuggets have done. And I continue to think that the Mavericks, despite the fact that they have a a reasonable point differential, they are probably better than what their record says they are right now. It still feels to me like they're underachieving and that that doesn't necessarily bode well for a playoff matchup with, with Denver, where Denver, they seem to get all the right bounces. They seem to be in the right spots. They've been hustling. They've been uh, very good over the course of these last few weeks here. I think that Denver's just a better team in general. And sure, Luka could win that matchup for Dallas. But I seem to think that it just just doesn't feel right in that matchup. Like I think Denver could just win that 4-1 or something like that if they were playing relatively consistent basketball. So maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. But if that were the case, if Denver could get through maybe one or two quick series and, and be relatively unscathed, then you're looking at the other side of the bracket. And on that other side, you have the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Pelicans, and the Clippers, who I think are pretty like four pretty dangerous teams, especially to Denver, where you're not really scared about the Clippers, don't get me wrong, but the Pelicans are a very unique team. And having them face off against the Clippers, that's very interesting matchup in and of itself. But the Grizzlies and the Warriors, if any team is going to take out the Warriors this year, it's going to be the Grizzlies. Uh, I know the Warriors are not like, they're not the best version of themselves right now, but they still have another level that I think that they can get to, maybe a second level beyond that. And they are still a team that hasn't been eliminated in the playoffs since the 2016 finals, uh, outside of the 2019 finals when KD and Clay both got hurt. Uh, both of those times, like, like injuries played a major part. And I think that team just has a lot of confidence in itself and in its ability to win in every situation. So if you have them face off against the Grizzlies, and then if they win that matchup, face off against the winner of the Pelicans versus Clippers, they're going to be tired towards the end of it for one. But for another, they might be knocked out entirely, where you don't have to face the Warriors You don't have to face the Suns because they don't even make the freaking bracket. Like, Denver's in a great spot if they stay as the one. If they were the two seed and had to face the Warriors in the first round, that would be tough. 
that would be a scary matchup for sure, which is why I think Denver has to pay attention to this stuff. They're not going to try to avoid the Warriors, but they're not going to try to seek them out, I don't think. So if you're in a situation where Denver, if they could really make a run towards the end of this thing, you want an easy path. You do not want to have to go through the gauntlet. And maybe like maybe that's what fans want. Maybe that's what they like. They want to beat the best. If you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And maybe that's what fans actually want. As somebody who has the Nuggets' best interest in heart, I don't really want that for them. I would honestly prefer that they have a relatively easy schedule until the Western Conference Finals, and then you're tested a little bit, and you pr- kind of primed up for an NBA Finals matchup. That would be what I would prefer. But I'm one dude. And so we'll see what ultimately happens when it comes. And like you've still got three months until the playoff bracket is really set. So there is so much time until that point. We're going to learn a lot over the course of these next couple months, but in general, Denver's in a great spot. And if they just keep winning, like hard to really argue with that. So hopefully that continues to go down. For now, let's wrap up Nuggets versus Clippers on Wednesday night. That should be a lot of fun. Even though it's a back-to-back, and even though there's a freaking blizzard outside right now, there's uh, it was kind of tough getting home, I'm not going to lie. But I'm really excited for Nuggets T-Wolves because Denver, that was the last team that the Nuggets lost to, and they haven't lost since. So we'll see if that's just a matchup that Denver struggles with. Maybe it's the back-to-backs that Denver struggles with. But in general, I think that they've done a reasonable job. And the uh, not the Grizzlies, the T-Wolves, they might just be a team that Denver struggles with because of their athleticism and their length and their ability to switch a guy like Kyle Anderson onto Nikola Jokic as opposed to Rudy Gobert. I wonder if Denver has a little bit more prepped for this time around, but it is the second out of a back-to-back. So you never know if that's a situation that Denver can actually get through. But we'll talk about it a whole bunch more uh, after, after the game. I'll be going to that game, hopefully. Hopefully I can get there. But in general, Denver's been so great at home that they'll probably have a different vibe entirely than the last time they faced the T-Wolves. So hopefully that maintains. Hopefully that stays true. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I will be back tomorrow with another episode. Should be a lot of fun. Enjoyed recording this one. Hopefully, we can do so many more. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.